You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, AJ Andrews of GsFromTheCouch.com, and we we finally have reached the end. The trilogy, after four episodes, is coming to its conclusion. Yes, this will be the last episode of the consecutive ones that I did with Scott McCarver of Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. This episode, we talk about the bullpen and... I think we did a pretty good job dissecting it. I threw out a couple names I thought might be helpful, but, you know, we'll see what the Blue Jays do end up doing. They ended up signing Mark Zepchinski to a minor league deal today, and yes, that is how you pronounce his name. We will be talking about him and some of the other spring training performances on tomorrow's episode of the show, and then later in the week, we will be talking to Mike Wilner of Sportsnet. 590 to get his views on what he's seen in Florida so far and what can be expected, hopefully. I mean, the Blue Jays are undefeated right now. And I am working on securing another guest this week, so we will see what happens. I spoiled it a little bit. He might appear this week. We might save him for next week. We'll have to see, but I'm working on, on getting him secure. Anyway... Without further ado, here we go. Here's me and Scott MacArthur discussing the Blue Jays' bullpen for y'all. Let's turn to the bullpen now. Um, And then I have a couple names I'm going to throw at you after as we kind of bring this series to a close. But um, I do want to focus on the bullpen for the rest of it. Um, I'm a little surprised with how the construction of the bullpen has been. Like, I know... I know the, this is the Blue Jays' MO when it comes to relievers. They're not going to overpay. They're going to look for guys who they can get on minor league deals or one-year deals or, or very team-friendly options. That's been their MO. I, I'm just wondering if you're surprised that, you know, in building this bullpen, they seem content to go in with Thomas Pannone as the only lefty option. And I'm glad they finally admitted it, that Thomas Pannone is a reliever. I I started saying that pretty early. I had to see a couple starts just to say, yeah, that dude cannot be a starting pitcher at the major league level. I'm sorry. But I are, are you confident with Pannone going in there in that Tim Mesa role? As, as the only lefty option and then coming at, coming at people with the likes of Sam Gaviglio and Wilmer Font. Am I confident? <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, yeah. maybe I should, I should phrase that a little <laughs> differently. Are you all right with it? Can you see it? <laughs> well, I mean, no, but I, I, I guess I and and when I say this, I'm not I'm not um, I'm not giving excuses to the front office, mm. but but this is reflective of a team uh, that is 
like I was saying a little bit with the outfield, that is not there yet. Mm. And um, so, you know, I don't know what Ross Atkins is thinking in terms of, you know, are we are we going to be consequential and 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 perhaps competing for the second wild card spot into the early part of of the summer? But I mean, you know, they have done uh, some nice work, uh, whether it's you know the O's of the world or you know a little less than a year ago picking Daniel Hudson up off the scrap heap from the. L.A. Angels after mm-hmm. Hudson had given up five home runs in spring training and was cut in the final week and a half or two and signing him and then turning him into an asset. And I don't think Daniel Hudson was cut by the L.A. Angels in March and then figured he'd be throwing the last pitch of the World Series exactly. um, to, to, to clinch it for the Washington Nationals. Um, so I, 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 I so sometimes wonder, you know, um, are they – are they still looking to try to derive assets out of some of these, out of some of these relief arms? Um, no, I am, I am not uh, overwhelmed by this bullpen. I am not whelmed uh, by this bullpen. I am fascinated to see what they do uh, with Ken Giles. I think we all believe that that was somebody they uh, would have looked to have traded last year, but. Uh, the arm got barking, and, and that kind of uh, erased any value he may have had uh, leading up to the deadline, and uh, they didn't deal him in the off season. So uh, I, I, you know, I would still lean better than 50-50, even though I think Giles very much would love to stay here. I still lean much better than 50-50 that as long as he's healthy and performing well, he gets moved uh, at some point this year as he prepares to head into free agency next off season. So. I think a lot of the consequential uh, relievers that the good Blue Jays teams of the future, because we all believe they will be good again one day, right? Knocking on wood. Hope so. Um, I think I think that those people really aren't uh, here yet. Um, and and Thomas Pannone is only twenty five years old. To be twenty six in in April, uh, he is controllable for a very long time. Uh, you hope that he can be something for you as a as a left-handed reliever, um, you know he's you know, he's got the breaking pitch, but he doesn't he doesn't strike me as a guy uh, with sweeping stuff. Um, but you've got to remember too uh, that there is no such thing as a left-handed specialist anymore uh, mm. in, in in the way that we remember it, because um, baseball has decided, um, much like it did with the uh, you know uh, the automatic intentional walk it has decided that the big issue plaguing the game from a a pace and timing perspective was that there were too many pitching changes which is uh complete and total crap oh yeah um and and sheer avoidance of the issue and complete and total stupidity uh this three hitter rule um can i tell you what they're gonna do some of that can i tell you what managers are gonna do because of this rule I sure. I already figured that out. I mean, they're going to bring in their their left-handed guy to face a left-handed batter and then look at the next two batters and if there's a lefty among them, they'll let him pitch to him, but the righty's just going to intentionally walk. And then they're just going to bring in a new pitcher. 
and maybe Rob Manfred again playing Candyland when everyone else is playing checkers. Maybe that's how he gets more offense in the game by putting runners on there. But that's that's how they're going to get around that. Is the is the old point to first? Yeah, um, we well, you know this, AJ, and, and uh, you could very well be right. Um, every time, every time the cat comes up with some harebrained idea, uh, the mouse adjusts mm. uh, to try to stay a step or two ahead. Uh, and so uh, we'll see how it all plays out. But I, I, you know, to answer your broader question about the bullpen, I am not, I am not overly <laughs> yeah. intrigued by this group. I think a guy like Sam Gavilio generally is a serviceable arm in long relief and can be somebody who gives you four or five innings on a day or night when your starter doesn't have it and then you shut him down for three or four days, that sort of thing. Um, Wilmer Font was a one-win player last year. Uh, can he uh, repeat that? Well, you know, that would be uh, that would be awfully nice, except he is um, eight-tenths of a win over his career with a near five and a half ERA. So this was a negative war player for his career coming into last season. And he had a better than expected season um, to, you know, to get his career war um, onto the positive side, you know, Mm -hmm. and the other thing about relievers is that they, they vary year to year. Um, There are so few for every Mariano Rivera, who is a model of consistency, uh, there are three or four, it seems, and that's why they're not elite closers. They're, they're just relievers. But there are three or four, it seems, who, um, you know, who are unpredictable. And uh, some of the older school pitchers, you've, you've heard this. I'm not uh, breaking any news. This is a line you have heard before. Pat Henkin and a lot of others would love to tell you, um, you know, relievers are failed starters. And they are failed starters or a reason. And we celebrate them differently now um, because teams have figured out that having uh, gas cans in the 6th, 7th, and 8th, guys who can flame throw uh, are just as valuable as guys who can lock it down and do that for you in the ninth inning. You can really shorten games. Um, but the reason, they're, the reason they are so variable year in and year out is because usage can affect them significantly. Uh, you can burn them out pretty quickly if they're your uh, one guy or one of a couple of guys down in that pen who are reliable in a given season. I think Ryan Tapera suffered from that. Um, you can burn them out pretty quickly, wear them down. Um, so that's one reason they're variable. And then the other reason they're variable is the fact that, you know, if they were better, uh, they would be starters. We will be right back with the thrilling conclusion to our series with Scott MacArthur right after this message. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I I do love that you brought up that, that Pat Henkin line about, about the failed starters, because that actually dovetails really nicely into my next question. And and this, this does tie back to the bullpen, but, you know, I'm looking over the projected rotation for Buffalo. And I see Nate Pearson there for now. 
I I see, you know, if Jacob Wagesback doesn't make the club as a long man, they're gonna they're gonna put him in Buffalo as a starter. There's Trent Thornton, in my mind, is going to Buffalo. So there's three. TJ Zoik, I I'm guessing they want to keep him stretched out as well. So he goes to Buffalo. He's four. So then you got guys like Patrick Murphy, who's who's arguably earned a shot at Buffalo. You got Anthony Kay, who's not who could make this team or could not. There there are a lot of names there for that Buffalo rotation. And one of the things that have come out of Blue Jays camp so far is that they still see Sean Reed Foley as a starter. And, mm-hmm. and my question is why? Because he, to me, he has not shown enough at the major league level or even the AAA level to to be a guy who you can count on for five innings every every fifth day. So, so my question, Scott, is is why isn't Sean Reed Foley being looked at as one of those guys who can be a fireman in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning? We we know he has stuff. We, we we love Sean Reed Foley's stuff, but he has not been able to harness it and control it. So why not take that shot at, at kind of shorting him since the Blue Jays have a glut of starting pitching at the top now? I, I didn't even mention Andrew Sopko. How dare I? Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, why, why not take a look at, at seeing which of these guys would benefit more from that role change and, and be more effective players for the Blue Jays? And, and I, I point to Sean Reed Foley in particular because he's the guy I kind of think of when I think that. Yeah, well, I, I mean, two things that strike me with Sean Reed fully off the top of my head in answering your question is number one, you may have answered your question in your question, uh, <laughs> which is uh, that he has yet to harness it. So if, if he is a one inning guy, uh, you can't have him walking to people and creating tire fires uh, for you in, in close games. That, that's, that's one thing that occurs to me. The second thing is, is that he is still, and it feels like he is older, but he isn't. He's still 24 years old. And so, um, I don't want to say that they're throwing him a bone. Um, but, but I think, you know, Sean Reed Foley, um, is smart enough. And there would be some who are, who would suggest that I am, I am, being a little too um, polite in using that description, but um, I think that even he would be smart enough to know that his chances um, are dwindling here to prove uh, that he can do it. But given his age, um, you stretch him out and you see what he's got. Um, I mean, keep in mind, AJ, I mean, I was there in Dunedin last year. This is a guy who pitched in Lakeland, Florida against the Tigers in the final Grapefruit League game before the team went north to Montreal last year, and he pitched with the opportunity to make the rotation. Mm. And he absolutely peed down his own leg. Now, he ended up making a start in the first week of the season for the same reason that Trent Thornton did, which was Clayton Richard wasn't ready, Clay Buckholz hadn't arrived yet. Like they, they needed human beings hmm. who could pitch. 
and they didn't have an off day on that first homestand because they had Detroit for four and then Baltimore for three, if memory serves, mm -hmm. and it was in seven consecutive days. So so they needed they, – Reed Foley ended up uh, getting an opportunity to, to, to make a start anyway, uh, but not on a merit base. And, and so I think at this point, you give them the chance to stretch out, and it's kind of like the one more kick at the can um, – because I'll come back to the Pat Henkin line. Uh, relievers are failed starters, and so you would rather be 110% sure that Sean Reed Foley is a failed starter before you turn him into a reliever. Uh, aside from the command issues he's had um, for uh, the longest of time, they've also said, look, there just is not a significant repertoire there. It's not like he's a I mean, necessarily a three-pitch guy mm. uh, with three-plus pitches, but he, he's certainly not a four-pitch guy. Um, and, and so that lack of repertoire might also profile him best as a reliever, but I think they're going to exhaust this uh, before, before they go that direction with him permanently. That's fair enough. It could also be, too, too, could also be true, AJ, that, you know, look, stretch him out. Um, another thought occurs to me here as, as we discuss this stretch him out, um, and who knows, if he's thrown the ball well in Buffalo or what, maybe he is somebody who ends up packaged in a trade. Never, Don't ever mm. uh, dispel of the notion. I, I think we're going to start to see um, an enhanced focus, not necessarily right away this season and the early part of this season, uh, but as we get closer to 2021 and beyond, I think we're going to see an increased focus on acquiring supplement uh, to the core of this major league mm. team um, because they've rebuilt the farm system quite nicely here. And so that could involve uh, divesting themselves of any of their prospects. Uh, I don't know if we call Reed Foley that anymore, but you, you know what I mean. Involve them divesting themselves of bodies in order to acquire people who they believe can legitimately supplement or even be added to the core of what they have. And, and mm. so that is, um, that is, that's another thought mm. that no, that makes a lot of sense, Scott. Um, cause uh, you can't hold these 40 man spots forever. So yeah, you do have to, you know, start figuring out who who's earned it and who is surplus. So I, I do agree right. with you on that. So that leads me to this question regarding one of those 40 man spots. Is Julian Merriweather going to pitch within a 500-mile radius of Toronto this season? Which, that can, that can mean <laughs> Buffalo. That's why I said 500 miles. But I... I, just, I, I it's, so, it's so bad, AJ, because I just think it was like, like, I just remember last year before he got hurt and was shut down. It's like, hey, he's throwing 100 down in the minor leagues. He looks incredible. He's throwing 100. He's throwing 100. Now, look, I'm not sitting here saying anybody was lying. He probably was throwing 100. I mean, why else would they say it? And there's people who could either verify that or deny that down at Buffalo, etc. So, I mean, it's not like they were lying about it. But I'm just like, I'm hearing so much about Julian Merriweather. This kid is not a kid anymore. Is he 27 years old at this point or right up there? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, have, I have no idea. But I will say this. Um, if he throws 100 miles an hour and if you are relatively satisfied and relatively being a key part of that sentence, relatively satisfied 
with uh, your starting pitching depth and what is coming up in, in the pipeline, whether it's a Pearson, whether it's a Cade, whether it's a Manoa in the next wave after that. It, could it be a, a Patrick Murphy if the double toe tap has been fully eliminated and he is feeling more comfortable? If it's a Murray, if it's a Woods Richardson way further down the line, a Pardino bounces back. If you're can, if you're all with all that, well, you know, maybe Julian Merriweather can end up being a sixth, seventh, eighth inning guy for you just because he brings the heat. Mm. You know, so th- there are there are plenty of potential opportunities for for pitchers in this organization to grab the rung and 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 take spots because we've detailed some of our presumptive opening day relievers, and I think you and I both agree uh, that there are some vulnerabilities there. And if Merriweather is healthy and throwing triple digits or close, why can't he be um, a short guy for this team in high-leverage situations? Hmm. You know, Jordan Romano is a guy we're all rooting for because he's local. Well, we saw some things out of him that we liked, and then we saw some things that gave us a little bit of pause. We don't know yet. Um, so there are, a lot of, there are a lot of questions that, that these pitchers, um, and the beauty of it is, is it's kind of a broad question right now, hand them the paintbrush and see if they give us a Picasso or if they scribble out a bunch of incoherent lines and can't get it sold at a gallery, if I extend the analogy one step further. Let's see what they've got. Let's see what they've got and um, let them fill in the blanks. Well, I I think we've done a pretty good job covering just what they've got right now. So I I will ask you one final question, Scott. And I, again, I am so appreciative of the time you give this podcast because, I mean, we could literally go on for days, probably just, just talking <laughs> we, we, about we, the Blue Jays. We could. We've done three, so I I think we could get a week if we if we really went at it. But um, you said before you see this as a seventy-five to seventy-nine win team. How do you? I do. Yeah. How do you think the twenty twenty Blue Jays will be remembered in the grand scheme of things? Like like twenty twenty seventeen was the last gap that didn't work out. Twenty nineteen was the absolute nadir. How do you think 2020 is going to be remembered for the Blue Jays? Um, I think we will have uh, a much clearer picture on um, on some of the young kids. I think I think that there are going to be ups and downs because any young player has them. Uh, but I think we will be firmly confident in Bo Bichette's emerging stardom. I think we, well, I don't think, I know um, that we will have the answer to the question, did Vladimir Guerrero Jr. learn uh, that you've got to put some work in um, in order to succeed at the big league level uh, and take care of yourself better. Was that the lesson he learned in 2019 such that his 2020 went a whole lot more smoothly? I think we'll have uh, a view of what Nate Pearson 
can be. And my hope is that uh, when we look back on the 2020 season, we see a Hin Jun Ryu who has pitched uh, 150 or slightly more than 150 innings, and we feel pretty good about his performance because it's not easy to go from the National League West to the American League East. But I I do see this team uh, taking a step forward in win total. I mean, obviously, I believe that. I say there's 75 to 79 uh, victories this year, which is better than the 67 had last year. And I do see a path. Um, although they are not there yet. And, uh, uh, you know, Pearson's going to be a big part of this, but Tanner Rourke is, you know, um, a five on a good American League East team, mm. not a two or a three. He's a, he's a five. Um, I do see a path toward uh, contention for a playoff spot in 2021 with the, you know, the two wild cards, etc. Um, I like the off season they had, they have far from solved the organization's issues top to bottom, but uh, they are piecing this thing together and there is legitimate reason for optimism. I can't promise it's going to work out. I would be the first to tell you if I didn't believe it. I said it a lot in 2019 that I couldn't see it. They pleasantly surprised me with their work this offseason. Um, and it's a good next step toward getting to where they want to go. Mm. I I totally agree with you on that. I, I want to see Matt Shoemaker not have a gruesome injury in a season for once. That's that's my that's my biggest wish for for the Blue Jays. Just let's not I, you know. I, 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 ter- terrific guy. Terrific guy and somebody who was showing them in April last year that he still had a lot left in the tank um, when he suffered that unfortunate injury. The one thing I will say um, is that, you know, the ACL is not in the arm. So um, it wasn't as if it was elbow or shoulder or corrosive arm issues. We know he's had forearm stuff in the past, but it was not like it was corrosive arm issues that cost him the 2019 season. Um, So... He's got his lower body underneath him, and that knee is fully repaired. I'd love to see him uh, go out and have a nice start and uh, carry that much, much deeper into the season and maybe all season, uh, the way that he pitched in those four or five starts he made for the Blue Jays last April. Amen, Scott. Amen. Scott McCarfer from Sportsnet. I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't have to tell people where they can find you, but I offer the courtesy anyway. So. <laughs> If, if you'd like to get some plugs in, this is your opportunity to do so. Love to. I'm one of the hosts of Lead Off, which is the morning show on Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. If you are, are not in Toronto and uh, do not have AM radio, which I hear is becoming a thing uh, in this day and age, you can get us online at sportsnet.ca slash 590 and you can listen live there or through the Sportsnet app uh, and you can get me on my social media platforms uh, Twitter and Instagram are where I'm most active although I also do have Snapchat which I hardly ever use at Scotty Mac thinks S-C-O-T-T-Y M-A-C-T 
S-C-H-I-N-K-S. Scotty Mac Thinks is my handle across the board. So uh, that's where you can get me on social media. And my direct messages are always open on Twitter. And I, uh, aside from talking sports, I'm always available uh, to be an ear if um, you are suffering uh, with any mental health uh, challenges. I have been very vocal and open about mine. I am an LGBTQ advocate, a gay man myself. Uh, I always uh, enjoy interacting uh, with LGBTQ sports fans. Um, so reach out and uh, we can chat anytime. And as a fellow LGBTQ member of the media, I mean, you you do uh, offer a shining light for those of us, you know, trying trying to get up there and and trying to make their voice heard. And and you're great for for listening to those voices and and using your power for good, Scott. And again, very appreciative of that, and very appreciative I get to talk to you for, you know. As as long as I do, because I I greatly enjoy these conversations. So again, AJ was fun. Thank you so much for that. You bet. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I have no doubt we'll be uh, celebrating and complaining uh, the Blue Jays and about the Blue Jays over the course of the season. So uh, we'll catch up again soon. I look forward to it. You bet.